Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Well, if you have your Bibles, we are going to end up in Luke. We're going to end up in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 9. We're going to be in verse 57. But we are in a series called Grow. But the whole thing is really built around one simple quote from D.L. Moody. And you're going to see this quote on the screen, and it's just something for us to sink in and think about. And it simply says this, our greatest fear should not be failure, but of succeeding at something that really doesn't matter. Our greatest fear should not be that of failure, but to actually succeed in something that really doesn't matter. That is probably the greatest thing that's been in my heart and in my mind for the last four years. And with that being said, we ask the question, so what matters? Because Scripture is very clear. If there's no vision, the people will perish. So we know vision matters. And last week, we talked about the fact that we know that growth is essential, that growth matters. God wants you to grow. Why? Because anything that's healthy grows. But here's what I want you to catch. I think for a lot of people, we struggle when it comes to growth because we have a misconcept of growth, especially in the spiritual realm. Because here's the bottom line, listen to me. Growth is hard. Growth is a struggle. Growth is not easy. In fact, what's even harder than growth is harvest. Like right now, we're in a harvest time We're in that harvest season. We're starting to have all these fall festivals. I love all of it. But you'll have these farmers that right now, they're trying to get everything in from the fields. It's the time to harvest. You know what? When you get to that point and you're growing, harvesting is hard work. Growth is hard work. In fact, I love this quote. It comes from Thomas Edison, and it says this. We often miss opportunities because it's dressed in overalls and looks A lot like work. I think for a lot of us, when it comes to our faith, we got confused with saying a prayer and accepted Jesus as if he was going to just take everything away, everything was going to be butterflies and rainbows, and this life was going to be perfect, and it wasn't going to be hard. But you need to know that when it comes to growth, and when it comes to your growth, when it comes to your life, Sometimes it's going to be hard. Sometimes when it comes to growth and the opportunities for you to grow, it looks a whole lot like something dressed up in overalls and a lot like work. But we don't like to talk about that, do we? In fact, when it comes to your biblical knowledge, and and I'm talking about us, not just me, But it's kind of funny for me. I I went to seminary. I went to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Got my master's out there. I remember one particular class. I was studying the book of Romans. I was intrigued with the book of Romans. I wanted to study that as a class because during that time frame in the late 90s, there's a lot of people that came to know the Lord down a road that led through Romans. You know, these evangelicals that would come out and they would lead this Roman road or there were all these pamphlets. We called them tracts. And it had the Roman road in it. So I was like, you know, there's a lot of theology from the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans. So I want to study that. 
And this class that I had met on Tuesdays and Thursdays for an entire semester, which was a little over 13 weeks, may have been 14, 15 weeks. It's been a while since I've been there. I graduated in 99, so it's been a few years. But it's one of those things. I remember taking this class, and it was an hour and 45-minute class. So every Tuesday and Thursday, I would show up, and we would study the book of Romans for an hour and 45 minutes. And we did that twice a week for 13 to 15 weeks to understand the whole concept of what Paul was talking about and to break down the book of Romans and what it meant, to have this biblical knowledge. At the end of that semester, I was so excited that we got to chapter 8. You can go look at the book of Romans. There's a whole lot more chapters than 8. And I got intrigued with this concept. I graduated seminary. I went to a church. They did discipleship training on Sunday nights at 6 o'clock. And one of the classes was the book of Romans. And they had a six-week class that you could come to for one hour, and they were going to cover the whole book of Romans. And I'm going, well, hang on. I just spent three hours a week for 15 weeks, and we got to chapter 8. Now, you men are fixing to get together, and you're going to study it for six weeks for an hour, and you're going to cover the whole thing. The reality is, is this. You're fooling yourself if you think knowing God and knowing his word doesn't require work. That's why we do community groups that gather around a lot of different things because we want to help you to get into God's word and to move forward. Why? Because knowing God's word is work. In fact, can I ask you a different way? If the things that you really know about, whatever that may be, it may be mechanical stuff, it may be machinery, it may be mothering, it may be fathering, it may be grandparenting, it may be a particular skill with electrical or a trade skill, it may be business, it may be accounting. If you spend as much time in the field in which you are working to get paid, as you did knowing God's word and growing in spiritual things, how good would you be at your field? That's kind of a tough question, isn't it? Well, I want to start off with the tough, and then I'm going to lighten it up. I want to share with you a very familiar scripture that if you look in God's word, it's actually labeled the cost of discipleship. It's the aspect that you know what there is something that you need to know. There is a cost to growth. It is not easy. It's in Luke. We're going to dive right into it. It's chapter 9, starting in verse 57. And I'm going to read from the message. This first part I want to read from the message. You've heard it a lot in NIV or King James. But the message, which is a paraphrase, it's not a translation, it's a paraphrase, really says it well. And I want you to listen to these words. On the road, someone asked if he could go along. I'll go with you wherever, he said. And Jesus was curt. Now, I'll go ahead and tell you, I was like, what, what is that? I ain't ever seen that word. But it's one of those things, I'm like, what does that mean? So being the amazing theologian that I am, I do what every great theologian does to find out the meaning of a word, right? Hey, Siri, what's the word curt mean? The word curt means to answer rudely, briefly. But just know, they asked him a question, and because Jesus knew their heart, 
He answered them very briefly and rudely. Now, don't think about that too much. See, somebody in here right now is going, wait a minute, that's not true. Jesus was perfect. He would have never done anything rude because rude's a sin. Well, don't ever read about the temple then where he flips over the tables and casts them out. All right, but we just know that he answered this briefly and rudely. And listen to how he answered him. And the reason why he answered him like this is because he knows their heart. Are you ready to rough it? We're not staying in the best ends, you know. In the other translations, it'll say, the Son of God has no foxholes, no place to lay his head. In other words, he's trying to tell them, you're saying that you want to follow me. Are you sure? You're seeing something that you want to partake in to grow in, but before you get on this path of growth, can I ask you a question? Do you really want to grow? What if it requires you to go places where you don't have any provision? What if it requires you to step out in faith and to go places that you don't really know where you're going? What if it requires you to have faith and to step out and not have a plan? Then they keep going. Are you ready to rough it? We're not staying in the best ends, you know. Jesus said to another, follow me. And this person replied to Jesus, Certainly, but first excuse me for a couple of days, please. I have to make arrangements for my father's funeral. That one seems legit, right? Bro just had his father pass away. Listen how Jesus responds. Jesus refused. First things first. Your business is life, not death. And life is urgent. Announce God's kingdom. I want to handle this very carefully because I think some of this gets lost in translation. If I was to read the ESV, it reads it this way. It says, to another he said, follow me, but he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. But the way the message translates it really gives us an insight. I'm going to talk to you from somebody whose father passed away when I was young. In that moment when my father committed suicide, there was a choice that had to be made. Because some of you guys have experienced something very devastating, very tragic. Death has a way of being very final. And I want to say this very lovingly and supportive. Can I encourage you when you hit death's door with family members, with friends, with people that you love very much? Can I encourage you to make sure that two people don't die on that day? Like mourning is a real major aspect to us. Scripture says that grieving, there's a season for it. David, at the death of his son, he was in sackcloth and ashes and praying and grieving and petitioning God. And when his son passed away, it said he got up, he washed his face, and then he got back to what God had called him to. I know a lot of people that they struggle with growth because they're putting something on God that's not really on God, and it's this aspect of death. And something has happened in their life, and they've lost somebody, and they think God was trying to get them. And the reality is, is God not out to get anybody? Whenever we experience death, it's a reminder of what? Sin. Because when he was in the garden, being Adam, he said, do not eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because when you do that, you will surely die. And when they ate it, sin entered the world and also death. 
If you want to do a little bit of a study, it's kind of a cool study. Look at all the things that weren't present before sin and after sin that are now present. Things like thorns. There were no thorns. There were no thistles. There was no disease. There was no sickness. There is so many. Animals didn't eat each other. It wasn't until after the ark that God put the spirit of fear in the animals of man. That's the reason why they were all on the ark. Because a lot of us go, well, how were all these animals on the ark? I mean, they would eat each other, right? No, not right. That's not the way. When God created everything, it was perfect. And life was perfect. And everything coexists perfectly. And when death entered, it was more than death. It was death and everything that came with it. And so when you experience that pain, rather than getting frustrated with God, what you really should do is get really frustrated where death came from, which was Satan himself. God said, I came to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. Devil says, I'm the thief. I come to steal, kill, and destroy. But we get it backwards, don't we? And we get to growth and we feel in God's calling us. And all of a sudden, we hit this tragic moment. We lose somebody very close to us, and we start going, oh, but God, I really want to do something for you, but oh, I can't do it because I've lost this family member, this, this parent, this child. Heaven forbid. We're not, we're not set up as parents to outlive our children. My heart really earns and grieves for those that have lost a child. But the reality is, is that God's saying, but you know what? I love the way the message puts it. Can I, can I read it one more time? He says, Certainly, but first excuse me for a couple of days. Please, I have to make arrangements for my father's funeral. And Jesus refused. First things first. Your business is life, not death. And life is urgent. Can I tell you your growth and what you're doing, the cost of discipleship, it's urgent. Your life is urgent. Does that mean that we can pause for a moment? True story. I shared this recently. I can't remember who I was with. I know it was Amy Lou and I and, and somebody else. I can't remember who. I think it may have been Jake and Haley at a restaurant down in Chattanooga. But I remember my father committing suicide, me dropping out of school. Not dropping out of school. I didn't go to school for a week. I remember showing up back for school. I had an English class with a teacher that uh, was not my favorite teacher. And so I didn't act like her favorite student. And I remember she came up to me before I gave her the note, and she came to me, and she goes, well, about time you showed back up. I hope you have a good reason. In which I had this sheepish grin on my face and gave her the note that she read from my mother that said, please excuse Mickey for this last week. His father passed away. And all of a sudden, she got emotional and went out in the hallway, and she said, oh, what did you think? I was so glad she was crying. I didn't know Jesus. I didn't like her. And I was like, you, there was a lot of words. I'm not going to use those words. (laughs) But you know what I realized more than that? Do you know that when I was experiencing that moment, the world didn't stop? Everything didn't shut down. Like I came back to school and they still expected me to have different concepts going on as far as the, the responsibilities and, and what I was doing. That's what Jesus is trying to explain then when it comes to growth. Just because tragedy hits doesn't mean your growth should stop. 
In fact, you should really lean in and really start moving forward. But he doesn't stop there. Listen to the last part of this. He says, announce God's kingdom. Then another said, I am ready to follow you, master, but first excuse me while I get things straightened up at the house. And then the NIV version says it this way, and I think it's important. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. In other words, there's this concept, and, and, and you guys need to think through this. I've got to think through this. Most of the time, our biggest struggle when it comes to us growing and moving forward in our life is we're so caught up in our past that we can't see where we're going with our future. In fact, this is an agricultural term. If you were to look back and study agriculture, they would have what they called a site post. Most of the time when you were farming and agriculture, they would have a site post. In other words, you would line up the horse or whatever. At this time, they probably wasn't using the horses. We don't know for sure, but they would be plowing. They would, they would have, and you would, you would put your hands to the plow, and you would look at where you were going so that you could stay straight because straight was multitudes of multiplying. The straighter the row, the more rows could fit on the property. The more rows on the property, the more the harvest, the more you could benefit, multiply, and grow. You get those off a little bit, and things got off a little bit more, and next thing you know, you couldn't plant as much. And the goal was to get the most out of the land that you could get. So to do that, you would always put your hand to the plow, you would start plowing, and you would focus what was in front of you, and you would not look back. Because when you look back, the plow would get off, and you would have crooked rows. It was a very simple agricultural term. But what Jesus was trying to explain in this parable was to teach them that there is a cost when it comes to discipleship, a.k.a. growth. So three things, if you're taking notes, that we get from this. Three things. We have a tendency to over-exaggerate yesterday. When it comes to your growth, can I tell you, we have a tendency to over-exaggerate yesterday. We have a tendency to overestimate tomorrow. And we <laughs> underestimate today. Like, if you look at this parable, these three things are so true. We usually over-exaggerate what's happened in our past, make it bigger than what it really was. We turn around and overestimate our tomorrow, like, oh, I'm going to, yeah. And what we do is we underestimate what we really have, which is right now, today. And that's the reason why most people struggle with growth. So I want to give you some simple principles to help you with understanding this passage of ways to grow. Is that fair? So I want you to take notes, whether it be on your phone, whether it be on your Bible, whatever you need to do. I want you to simply know here's three principles I want you to get. If you want to grow, there's three things you need to do. Number one, you have got to find the right habits. You have got to find the right habits and activities. Most people struggle with growth, and it's not because they don't want to grow. The problem is they have the wrong habits with the wrong activities. I'll give you a great example. Not right now, but later on today, if you have a phone, go into your phone to where there's a setting that'll let you see what you spend the most time on on your phone. Some of you right now are getting elbowed by a spouse. I apologize. But it is amazing how those phones were created, and this isn't me being a boomer, okay? This is me telling you the truth. They were created for you to be addicted to them. Social media was created for you to be, ooh, what's, ooh, what's, Candy Crush. There's a reason why it's a multi-billion dollar game. Lining up candy to watch it explode to create a level. Not for elementary kids, 
for 60-year-old women that sit there for hours to have your fake cities that you build. This is one of those, confess or not confess. I shall confess. I remember when I first got a smartphone and they had this thing called Mafia Wars, which I know sounds terrible for a pastor, right? But I was a boss. Man, I mean, like, everybody wanted to be in my mafia. I was killing people. I was stealing from banks. I didn't really feel it, and I didn't run out and say, I'm going to make this real life. It wasn't real. But I spent more time on that stupid game that wasn't real than I did in real life with the things that mattered. And I wondered why I didn't grow. Some of you need to understand there's a cost when it comes to growth. And one of the greatest costs is your time. The reason why you're not growing is because you just ain't putting the time in. And you can think about that to almost every aspect of your life. You want a healthy relationship? How much time are you putting into it? You want a healthy knowledge of God's word? How much time are you putting into it? You want to be better at your work? How much time are you putting into it? Well, Pastor Mickey, I've got to be careful. I've got to have the right priorities. You're exactly right. That's the reason why, and you can put that back up, I said you need to make sure that you find the right habits and activities. I don't need you just to have habits and activities. There's a lot of institutions out there that are making billions of dollars to help people change their habits and activities. I don't need you just to have habits and addictions and activities. I need you to have the right habits if you're going to grow. Second thing, if you're taking notes, You need to do them every day. I need you to find the right habits, the right activities that are going to help you grow. And I need you to do those things every day. There was a pastor. He actually started the World Harvest Church. And he had this World Harvest Food Bank. And he made a huge difference. But I want you to listen to what this gentleman, Lester Summerall is his name. And here was a quote that he said. I never did anything great for God. I just did something every day. I never did anything great for God. I just did something every day. I think a lot of times we live in this this concept of growth that we're expecting like, like, Lord, I want to pray for this revival. Lord, you send this great revival, this spiritual awakening. And we're waiting for this moment where like like the spirit falls and, you know, like, like God's presence and like everybody's like, wow. And there's like, you know, thousands of people are at it. And maybe the revival is not this one night where everything happens. Maybe it's over a four-year process of a church being launched and making a decision to do something every day. See, if you are going to grow, you need to have the right habits with the right activities, and you need to make a commitment to say, you know what? I'm going to do them every day. And then the last thing, if you're taking notes, you need to think price not perks. You need to think price, not perks. That's the reason why Jesus said, hey, you need to count the cost when it comes to growth. Even when he said, go out into all the world and make disciples. We talked about this great commission and how it's 
throughout God's word, even in the Old Testament. That was the first message of this series, talking about a vision. And then we got to the point where we talked about our vision. And you need to understand that, that when we look at church, we look at what we're doing, we need to think about price and not perks. And so I want to give you a little column, okay? I'm going to give you a couple of columns to help you understand this principle a little bit better. If you're thinking about perks, here's the question you'll normally ask. What will I receive? Like when it comes to my growth, when I'm thinking about perks, I'll say, well, what will I receive? But when you're thinking about price, you're going to say, what can I give? When you're thinking about perks, you'll ask this question, how will this affect me? Well, I'd really like to do this, but man, golly, that's going to that's take up a lot of my time. I mean, I just don't know if I can do this. I mean, I... Man, I'd, I'd love to step out. I know God's calling me. I've been sensing this for a while to maybe do something with foster care or adoption. And, but my gosh, you know how much that costs, man? I don't know if I can do this, Lord. I know you're telling me to do this, but I don't know if I need to do this. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do like, this. Is, like, it's going to change everything. Like, this is going to affect me in a really big way. Lord, I know you're telling me to move to a different state and to start it. But man, that's going to affect me in a big way. When you're thinking about the perks, you're thinking more about how it's going to affect you. But when you think about the price, you know the question you're going to ask? How is this going to affect others? It's not about how this affects me. The question is, how is this going to affect others? When it talks about growth, talking about us moving forward, when you think about the perks, another question you'll ask is, how long will this take? Like, I'd love to do a community group, but my goodness, it's 11 weeks. Oh, my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do for 11 weeks. I don't even know if I like these people. That's when you're thinking about perks, right? You're consumed with yourself. But when you think about the price, you don't ask the question of how long it's going to take. The question that you ask is, how far can I go? Man, how far can we go with this? Not, oh, my gosh, how long is this going to take to do this? No, how far can we go with this? Like, let's go get all of it. I mean, it's just one of those things. It, it's the premise of which you look at it, right? A lot of times we look at our growth. We look at it, and we literally, we get consumed. to like, well, how long is this going to take? I'm going to chase the rabbit real quick. I'm doing a class. I'm having a ball. We're one week into it. Uh, Tuesday will be Tuesday will be the second week of it. But it's so funny because, because I think this is a question that a lot of people ask, right? How long is this going to take? I am so ready to spend the rest of my life with this person. I feel like it's in my life. I feel like it's there. I feel like God's calling me. So how, long, how do I know when it's the right time? For all my single people that are dating, there's not going to be some aha moment that all of a sudden you go, hmm, yeah, I really know now. Because the reality is, You've known for a long time already. You're just asking the wrong question. Me and Amy Lou met in August of 1996. We got married in August of 1997. You say, why did you wait a year to marry her? Because I was in school in Jackson. If I'd have lived in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, I'd have married her as soon as I knew she'd say yes. You say, how would you know if she said yes? I'd have asked her. You marry me? No. Okay, I'll come back to you. You want to get something to eat? About every week, it would have been one of those routine things. Like, hey, how are you doing? Doing good. Hey, by the way, you want to get married? No, I can't get. My dad will kill you. We've only been dating like a month. Okay, let me, I'll talk to you a little bit later. You want to get something to eat? Like, it wasn't long into our relationship. I was like, I, 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 like, 
Like either the things that I say, either I meant them or I didn't. And I knew very early, here's what I know. I love you and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And you know what didn't happen in that year of dating? The fact that I loved her and I want to spend the rest of my life with her. The only regret that I have in 24 years of marriage with my wife is that it took me one year to get out of school so I could marry her so we could go to Texas. I wish I could have married her like a week into it. You're like, you can't do that. People will think that's weird. And I really care about what people think. Because once you know, you know. Listen to me. It's the question, right? How long will this take? Or how far are we going to go? Once you get that in your answer where God says, here's how far we can go, can I encourage you to start going? I'm not talking about relationships with people on this earth anymore. Once you realize how far you can go, can I encourage you to start going? Another question that's really cool that's talking about perks is what will you give? That's a question that we ask all the time, right? What will you give? What's it going to cost me? That's an idea when you're worried about perks, like you're getting something out of this. But when you think about the price, you ask it a different way. What must I give? Like this growth is such a big deal that I want it. I want to exceed in it. Lord, I'm willing to count the cost and give. Prior to all this, some of the disciples are asking Jesus, what does it mean to follow him? And he says, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. There's something that you have to give. And it's not like, oh, I have to give this. No, you get to give it. But most of us struggle. Why? Because growth is something that we want. We're just expecting somebody to give it to us. And I just want to give you a challenge today. Do something. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.